Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast for another episode in our 2020 series of podcasts with golfers, interesting people, telling their stories from all parts of the world. And today we have a professional golfer who turned his hand to golf later in life and became a pro in two and a half years. I know, it's a fantastic story. It's the story of Mike Brown, my good friend who I met late last year at the Australian Open. Mike can tell his story better than I can. So let's bring him on. Welcome to the podcast. We'll play the music and then we've got Mike Brown on the other line to tell us what he's up to in his world of professional golf. Mike Brown, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast. How are you, mate? Hello, Ross. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. I know you heard that intro and uh, it was only brief. Mate, welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast all the way from the UK. Whereabouts do we find you in the UK today, mate? Whereabouts are you in right now? Uh, so I don't know if you've ever heard of a place called Wiltshire, but um, the pretty famous place around me is called Stonehenge. It's uh, like a load of rocks from millions of years ago. So yeah, that's where I live now. All right, and uh, we're in summer. We've, uh, as you know, you've, we've we've talked about the bushfires. We've got some uh, crazy weather out here at the moment, but uh, you've got a bit of winter over yeah, there. Got, so, so you we got the other end of the spectrum here. You, it's uh, absolutely awful rain and just horrendous wind. So it's, it's not very good for golf at the moment. But it's not stopping you doing plenty of training, uh, both physically and also on the range. And I guess we should just. Uh, Start right into it, mate. You're you're a golf pro, but yeah, um, so yeah, I turned pro uh, in 2016. 2016. So you started golf in 2014. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> mad, huh? It sounds it's mad, but the interesting part, mate. Not the it's not interesting. It's a it's a fantastic story. That's more than interesting. It's absolutely mind blowing. Is the journey on how you got to playing golf and the reasons why you started playing golf now. You're a career military person. Correct, yeah. And then, you know, when, when did your military career start exactly? Uh, so I joined up in 1997 um, as, a, as a private. Um, yeah, and then, um, long story short, I got out in, I actually got medical discharged in 2014 um, after being injured. So, yeah, that's where my sort of, my golf career sort of started really. So, mate, you got injured in a, in a training ground exercise, is that correct? Yes, yeah. So I was in a place called Longmore, which is a um, it's just a training area, which is uh, down in like like between Portsmouth and Paul, which is right down near the sea. Um, so yeah, I was just training down there, ready to to go abroad. And um, yeah, just a freak accident, broke my leg, um, went to the hospital, and I spent five months in the hospital because I had a lot of complications due to my bone not repairing and I got a, ma- a major infection as well from when I was in the hospital or when they put metal work in my, in my leg. So that was, you know, the down- that was the sort of the beginning of the end when I got that infection really. So battling infection took a long time to heal, yeah? Obviously five months and so how many, so yeah. what, what happened? You know, what, what, was, what was happening all this time? So basically, I got a, an infection called strep endococcal, um, and it, it 
pretty much all the, the muscles inside my legs. So um, basically what they did was, I don't know if you've ever heard of a thing called an Elizaroff brain. If you can imagine a spoke bicycle wheel, I had five of them going down my leg and I had to make uh, a millimeter of adjustments every day because they took my knee out because um, I had no muscles to hold my knee. Basically, my leg was just like a, you know, it was just all floppy and it just didn't work. So what they did then was took my knee out, um, tried to fuse it. So this is where the Elizaroff frame come in. So I had to um, close my knee a millimeter a day. And then what it did was they broke my shin bone. So I had to stretch that seven centimeters at a millimeter a day. So that's why it took so long that I was in that frame. So I was in that for two years um, and it didn't work. So I sat down with my surgeon on, you know, on uh, May the 1st. Uh, 2013 and um, he wanted to put me back in the frame for another two years and I just at that point I was at a really low spot in my life where I just didn't want it anymore um, and it was the best decision I ever made so we we decided to amputate it um, and my leg was gone on May the 7th. Left leg so just above the knee, is that correct? That you lost your leg? Yep. Uh, yep. So I'm, I'm what they class as a through knee. So I've got the whole of my my uh, my femur. Yep. So, so it's a I'm I've got the best of a bad situation, really. You know, I'm really lucky that it's an actual weight bearing bone. So that's why I'm able to walk so far and do do everything that I do. You know. So I'm in in that aspect, I'm I'm pretty lucky. Well, mate, when did tell us the story about how how you came to be on a golf course? So I think I, I think yeah, I yeah so I, yeah. yeah so basically I just had um, I still had a leg at this particular time yeah and um, I was I just had another operation and I was sat in um, a recovery centre and I and I actually seen a poster for a, a charity called the On Course Foundation and um, I was I was a motocross rider and a football player before and obviously I couldn't do that anymore um, so basically I said you know I wasn't in a very good frame of mind as to what happened and uh yeah i just thought you know what i need to get out of here so i seen the poster on the wall and give it a go it was all just a one-day tester and you know i got hooked from there really so that was it specifically just for people that had injuries that were coming back as a as a rehabilitation type scenario yeah so what what, what the on course is it helps wounded injured, injured and sick servicemen rehabilitate rehabilitate through golf yep um, so yeah, it, you know, it, it, it was open to anyone that was, you know, on what they call the whiz list, um, over here. So, you know, it's just like, a it, it's a way of recovering through golf. Yeah. So how many people were on that program when you, uh, when you turned up there and uh, when I, so on the day I went, there was, a, um, I think just two of us to start with. Mm-hmm. There was a me and a lad called Sam Stoddart who I've become really good friends with. Um, he's actually just had an operation to have his leg amputated as well so it's um it's going to be another recovery for him but um so yeah you know i took it up and it was i was absolutely useless to start with you know i couldn't (laughs) hit a ball and then i hit one ball and uh you know it it probably went 20 30 yards but it you know i thought oh I, i can actually do this and that's when i got hooked from that one ball and getting hooked still two and a half years from from one ball getting hooked to two and a half years playing professionally it's a it's a pretty rapid rise mate it's a pretty rapid rise so yeah. so how did you go about and rapidly rising that quickly 
Yeah. What did you do? You know, like it must have been an amazing mind over matter power. You know, my, you know, the, the mind must be so strong to get you to, you know, just concentrate regardless of ability or whatever. And what yeah. sort of training, what sort of coaching, how did you, how did you go about that? Because it's, so it's basically a, I, I, I used it at work. Right. Um, just, just for my own mind. And like I say before, I wasn't in a good headspace. So I just used to chuck my music on and just go to the range at, you know, eight in the morning, like I would at work. Um, and I'd go to the golf club and, you know, stay there all day and leave at like four. Um, so I'd have to spend the day there as a work day. And then that, that just got me back into the process of, cause I lost all my social skills and everything like, you know, I hadn't left the house for six months. So I pretty much, you know, I became a recluse and I never sort of interacted with pretty much anyone, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, I split out, I split out with my partner and it just sort of was all going downhill. And then golf sort of changed everything in my life from meeting people to, to being who I am now, you know. Uh, golf's molded me into such a I don't feel like a better person but I just appreciate stuff that you know and the the amount of people that I've met in, in the golf world is unbelievable you know I'm so privileged and lucky to to be doing what I'm doing now just just through that one little decision that I decided to to go and try golf yeah I'm still blown away by the two and a half year part and but you know what <laughs> you what you're just saying about being being lucky you know you make your own luck, and yeah. you, know, you you worked hard to uh, to get where where yeah. you got to. And you know, I can I can see why you know so many people are drawn to you in a personal sense because uh, you know I just spent sort of six seven hours with you, and uh, you know I feel like we've been mates for a long time. Um, you know, let's go back to that training part. You know, two and a half year part, and treating it like yeah. treating it like work. You know, when when did you when did you make the decision that you were going to take do this professionally and try and did you find that there was a, a golf tour and there was a professional, you know, the Edgar tour? Yeah, so yeah. so the Edgar tour is what you play uh, golf on now as a, as a, as a pro, yeah? Uh, so, yeah, when I go to uh, – that's out in Spain. I was not actually playing on that this year. Right. Um, I played on – but that's where I first started. And it's, you know, it's like a development tour. So I'm just actually now getting ready to go to America to play on the FPGA tour and do some Monday Q school for the PGA and the, the Corn Ferry. Yeah, right. So you know the the progress that I've actually make I'm making is phenomenal now, and I'm so I was at a stage where I felt like I plateaued for for a while, mm-hmm. and I've never experienced that. Obviously, you get to a standard, you need plateau. So I up my training, um, I up my physical training, and right now I don't think I've ever since I've lost my leg, I've never been as physically fit or as physically strong. And you know what they say is strong body strong mind mm. and that's how i feel right now so i'm really really looking forward to this season well, mate, I, you know i've been following you uh socially and I, i'm looking at the the weights that you're lifting and my back creaks just looking at the at the, at the big uh, <laughs> plates that you're lifting up there mate it's uh it's fairly impressive it's good turn pro and right now you're about to jump on a plane in a few days time and head off to the states to play and qualify for some big events so yeah What's what's the process there, mate? You know, is it just just turn up? You know, are you turning up like all the other guys and just you know renting? You know, is someone helping yeah, you? You got going you know, into the deep end, just yep. going out there and trying to trying to sow seed in my life. You know, just another. I'm just going to go out there and enjoy it, and um, hopefully, I can you know 
be an inspiration for others that's that's had a pretty poor not a poor life but a poor change of life you know mm. so if you can inspire someone to to try and change their life in a good way then you know job done isn't it you know well mate if you can leave a legacy like that that uh, it's a good one to leave now we met when you were down here for the um all abilities australian uh championship that was played in conjunction with the uh the australian open at the australian golf club back in december how how was that trip for you mate what happened what happened there for you now we played in the pro-am and uh you know we went and hit a few balls after the round there what happened after that mate um yeah so that was a a bit of a nightmare for me down there really don't not not the experience experience was unbelievable but um I had some mechanical issues with my leg. So my so in in my leg you get a rotator, and the rotator just it literally blew up on me. So um, I couldn't get through the ball. I couldn't hit it. I didn't know where the ball was going. It's an awful feeling, but I've never I've never experienced that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a hard one for me because you know I knew I could have pl- I should I could have played well there, and you know it was it was just a bit of a kick in the you know what, you mm. know, so for that to happen to me, but, um, so when did you realize yeah, it, that? It, so was, when did, when did that happen in, in terms of the Oz open event? When was that like in, the, in practice or did it well, happen? I could, feel it, I could feel it going, um, like, cause it started to get really sort of stiff. So you, I could feel some, it was happening when I was playing in the practice round there. And then, you know, I didn't think nothing of it. And then, um, played the pro-am and it was just sort of getting worse and worse and worse and then on the first day i think it was like the, the third or fourth hole it just literally i felt it pop um so when i took it off the whole the hot there's a spring in there that juvenates everything back um and that was in about 10 pieces so i had to literally suck it up for the next three days and didn't know where a ball was going so that was really frustrating yeah um but yeah we managed to to hold on to a fifth position so um it could have been a lot worse but it could have also been a lot better so um and then you know from from there i was lucky enough to to meet someone that actually um well it was christian hamilton from australian golf that got in contact with uh the prosthetic center in melbourne so when I went down to the President's Cup, it was, you know, that's probably one of the best services I've ever had in my life. So they got me a new ankle, new rotator, and then we went and smashed the President's Cup. So, yeah, it was... So you're rocking to Melbourne like a rock star, staying down at the Crown Casino with uh, the President's Cup team. Is that right? Is that where you were? Yeah, that was unreal. Um, that was that was an experience in once-in-a-lifetime experience, and it was unreal. So um, that that course was just unbelievable never never played on anything like it to be honest with you it was uh it was a very very great week for australian golf um all told yeah. and from end to end were you a bit starstruck did you get to see any of the guys was there any any sort of commingling of of teams there and any- yeah i mean i got to meet like everyone at the australian open it was it was very surreal so i was on the range one side of me was louis eustausen the other right. side of me was Ernie Els, and I was like, "What am I doing here?" <laughs> yeah, you, know, you got it's one of them things you got to pinch yourself, and like, it's just unbelievable to be sort of involved in that, let alone playing in it. You know? Oh, mate, I I, I get it because I was you know in the warm up before we went and played on the Wednesday, uh, 
you, you know, I took a video of Louis Oosthuizen right next to you there, and yeah, I, I, I was blown away. Yeah, here I am standing watching you hit. I was blown away by that, and you were going to go out and play in <laughs> the Australian, which I was blown away by. And then Louis Oosthuizen sitting there next to me and you whacking balls. And I'm like, oh jeez, what, what am I doing? What, what, what am I doing? I was like, what? I shouldn't be here. I, I didn't feel like I should should have been there. <laughs> But uh, you definitely earned absolutely but, you right. Know, the amazing thing were you were there, so you know that uh, like an achievement just to be on the same range as Emma. And I striped a couple, didn't I? I striped enough, didn't I? Did yeah, definitely. <laughs> ripped a few, turned a few heads. <laughs> um, let's not talk about the one that I the the scunned fifty four degree wedge that I sent into the TV tower. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that went further than my driver, I think. Oh dear. Hey, um. So what about down at the in Melbourne, um, President's Cup week? So what happened there? So they had a, yeah. a an abbreviated what was it a like a twelve hole event or an eight, a sixteen hole event or it was a ten hole event, right? Um, so it was called the ISPS Handicap Cup, which is basically the top six in the world versus the top six Australians match play. So um, it's an experience of playing in and amongst that that you know not a lot of people will ever experience. I mean, I got to have on the range with like Tiger where they were all playing and DeChambeau and Fowler and it was just like wow it was <laughs> unreal and to play that course in the condition that it was um, I've never ever played on greens that fast that hard that, that just hard <laughs> it was uh, it was an experience that will you know stay with me forever and you get to keep all your kit? Did you get you, you would have got kitted out with yeah, all that? Yeah, yeah, definitely got bag, got got the full kit. Um yeah, so it, it that's in the trophy room already. That'll never be used. No, but, mate. It was you know, uh, that's, uh with my name and the president's cup on it's something special. Yeah, well mate, well done. Did it uh yeah, it was it was a great week for, for golf, great week for you and uh I just can't imagine that uh that uh, the experience that it would have been for you. Now, was big uh, yeah. P. McLean on the bag for you down there too, wasn't he, at uh, the President's Cup, did he? Yeah, what a legend, though. Yeah, he's been pretty good. He's he's, a, he's, a, he's one of a kind, is uh, our Paul McLean. And, you know, Paul, yeah. some of the listeners on the podcast will know Paul because, you know, I've thanked him a number of times. You know, he helped me out at the Solheim Cup and he's helped me out at the Australian yeah. Open. And, you know, he's an absolute legend. But, you know, he is behind and partner to to you in one of your key um, sponsorships. Now, you couldn't do what you do without people supporting you on a, on a sponsor's level. Who are they and what no, and, and, and what do they do? You know, like give the, give those guys a shout-out, mate. What, what, yeah, so um, my mate, one of my, my main sponsors is a bloke called Jan Talensky who is um, – he runs JT Lifestyle Homes. Um, without him, you know, a lot of this wouldn't be possible that I do if this, on the professional scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, he's one person that you know I can't thank enough. Um, and I'm, I'm with Max Golf Protein as well, so they they supply all my my protein drinks and stuff like that. Um, and the On Course Foundation, who um, got me started in this game originally, so they're they're the the main ones that you know got me to where I am really, with all their help and and stuff like that. And then, which is breaking news, I've just actually signed for Mizuno for twenty. Oh, hello. Uh, foreseeable future. So, hello. yeah, that's uh, that's a first. I've not I've not put that anywhere yet. So, when this goes out, that'll be pretty cool. Okay. Um, so yeah, there. I've been with uh, Callaway for the past two years, um, and just uh, the, through the Encore's Foundation, a, a new deal through Mizuno come up, and it was too too sort of 
good not to to use, you know, and because the, the the irons are just unbelievable. I've never hit anything like it in my life. So I'm really, really. That's why I'm really pumped for this season, and I want to be. Where I'm working extra hard just so I'm prepared extra this year. So I've got a, I've got a bee in my bonnet about it this year. So yeah, it's going to be good. And who who else? So you've got uh, the Bushnell people and the Sketches people. Who else have you got? Anyway? Yeah, Sketches and Bushnell. Um, so I'm I'm helped out over over here by a bloke called Roger Wolf, who runs UMAX Group. Um, so they're the the wholesalers for Bushnell and Sketches UK. Yep. over here. Um, so they they massively helped me out with all my clothing, shoes, and obviously the range finders. Um, so yeah, they're they're a massive part of what I'm doing. That so I'm actually going over to the PGA show to, with with Roger and the team to to do some promotion stuff uh, next week. So that's that's uh, going to be a busy week next week at the PGA show with them. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and then crack on to the tournaments. First uh, first PGA show. Yep. Uh, no, I've been to the PGA show before, but I've just been there for a few days. I've not, I've not actually been participating in, um, like with someone. I've just been there as a, as a individual. Um, so this year I'm doing some filming with for the UMAX Golf TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just gonna do some stuff. I'm there. I land on Saturday and then filming a full day uh, with Bushnell on um, Sunday and then ready for the show in the week. Fantastic. Is there anything uh, you know as a golf nut, a golf a golf nut and a golfer? You know, you yeah. go you go to the holy grail of of golfers, you know, tinkerers paradise. You know, will you go and seek yeah. anything out? You will you go and have a, a little look around and, and yeah, there's a few things I want to I want to go and look at, um, but they're they're not the, the norm. So I've become sort of obsessed with numbers in the golf game, mm-hmm. and um, it's through the Bushnell side of things that it's becoming to me that I need to know my numbers of my clubs. So we're going to look at um, some, some stuff that, you know, like Trackman, so that sort of thing, but different different entities to, to what I can utilise to help my game promote. Okay. So there might be a, a, a launch monitor company uh, that you might go and seek out there. Good. Anything else? Any other training aids or anything like that that you need? Um, yeah, so I can't remember what it's called, but I messaged, I, I seen you on there the other day. So it's like a swing ball, right? Yep, the tour striker. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's it, the tour striker. That's that's what I want to go see because I've been I've been looking at them and I've seen a lot, of, quite a few of the like the top guys using it. And then obviously I seen you using it. I thought, right, this must be something pretty good here. So I was um, like, yeah, that 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 suits me because I've got a tendency to break my right arm too soon and. That's exactly what that stops, right? Well, it's all about rotation and connection. So, yeah, it's very much so yeah. your your arm connection and then um, and then rotation. So, yeah, that's exactly what that little yeah, ball's for. And they've got a new thing out called the plane mate. So that's I don't know if you've seen yeah. that. It's the belt. You put the belt around you. Yeah. Um, and then there's a like a rubber a rubber band which swings on from the belt. Uh, it's on like a little steel rail, and yeah, I have seen that actually. And and the rubber band attaches to your club, and and that also then keeps the connection there without having the ball, which some people find uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, just yeah. A, it's just another thing for helping, you know, connection, rotation, and plane. Um, but yeah, so my guy Clint Rice, who's 
a friend of the podcast because he's been on the podcast before. Now, Clint. Um, okay. He he was an Australian golf pro. Uh, he was the guy that famously got kicked off uh, the practice round at the US Open when he was playing with Jeff Ogilvy uh, at uh, Chambers Bay and it made news yeah. because he was an alternate. He was the first alternate to enter the competition and Jeff Ogilvy and Mark Leishman just said, mate, just come out and play with us. Now, alternates back in the US Open weren't allowed to play the practice round. Crazy, I know. But he just went out and played and then all of a sudden the USGA officials came down and not unceremoniously but politely, politely booted him off that's how uh, Clint Rice became famous. Built now he's uh, one of Australia's um, uh, supplies to the golf industry that I'm part of, and he he is the tour striker, wow. the tour striker representative. So he, you should message Clint because yeah, I've, I've told him, I've told him, and I think he might have messaged you, or hopefully he's messaged you, and he he'll introduce you to Martin Chuck, who's the boss of tour striker. Happy days, that'd be amazing, mate. It's a no brainer. But uh, go and see those guys. But um, yeah. So when you get into tournament mode, yeah, how long will you be in the states for? Uh, I'm there for five weeks, so um, I've got you know a good stint there. So um, got some, uh, and uh, over here at the moment, you literally can't play unless you go to the range because it's so wet. I mean, mm. down here we, on the roads, like I was coming back from the gym this morning, and there's like three feet of water on one of the roads. So you you can imagine what the golf courses are like. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty bad here. I mean, we should we need to send some of the water to you guys. <laughs> yeah, look, it's uh, it, it's no secret what we've been going through down here, and you know, yeah, to, it's been to, horrendous. I mean, well, the whole it was, world, it, you know, supporting you. So yeah, and it's it's felt and it's appreciated. And you know, I said on my um, podcast earlier on in the week that um, or last week that uh, you know it's it's that vast that. You know, it's not the six degrees of separation or the two degrees of separation that you know someone who's been affected. You know, I unfortunately haven't been affected. Yeah. I'm in I'm in suburbia here, but everyone knows someone who was has been pretty much very closely affected by uh, the fires in some way, yeah. shape, or form. You know, I said that one of my former work colleagues from I mean, Mercedes Benz lost their house, their holiday house, their family home that's been in the family for crazy. fifty years, and people being stranded in in towns and. You know, every, everyone's been affected some way, shape, or form. It's just devastation. That's just so sad, you know. Yeah, but, but um, like people can't understand how I can't get my even me. I can't get my head around how big of an area that it's affected. Just just because of like where I come from, we're so small in the UK. But I mean, the whole the the, the areas that are affected cover a lot of Europe. Well, basically, the whole of England and a lot of Scotland. You know, is equivalent to the size of area that's been burnt. It's on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and like you just can't grasp how much how big that is. So you remember it's on fire? It's crazy. So and it started a month or so ago. You know, it was first in in Sydney and just south of Sydney, and, and you experienced that. You know, because when we were in Sydney yeah. together, you know that that first day, that Wednesday, the smoke haze was was quite bad. Oh, it was a, I've never seen anything like that before. It was almost like a sandstorm, but smoke. Yeah. Well, yesterday in Melbourne, the last two days in Melbourne, it was three times worse than that. It was it was acknowledged as Serious. Melbourne had the worst air quality in the world for the last three days. So, oh and I, I play golf in, it and I'm sitting here talking like 24 hours later, and um, I 
I didn't feel it yesterday so much, but when I woke up today, you know, I did feel like I'd been in a room full of smoke for and breathing it for all day. Yeah. But but yeah, that's anyway. It, nothing no. we can do about that. But it's it's not been great. But no. you're you're off to the states for five weeks. So do you take? Is someone going to come and caddy for you, or you know, what do you do with all of that? Yeah, so I've got um, I've got a caddy out there that's that's going to caddy for me on some of the tournaments. Um, and then there's one that I'm playing, which is quite far away away. So I'll just get a local caddy that that, that can do it there, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's always. But I I learned the added bonus of having an uh, having a knowledgeable caddy was with Paul at um, Royal Melbourne, like. It, it, if he hadn't told me to play some of the shots that I was playing, then you know my score would have been quite worse. But um, like the first, I had a hundred and I had a hundred and eighteen yards into the first hole, and he said, "Like play a seventy-yard shot," and I was like, "Really?" He said, "Yeah, just trust me," and literally stuck it to you know eight feet, and I was I was like, "That's impossible." That's how crazy the greens were. Yeah, because the first has got that slope from front to back, and it just feeds everything away. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yep. Yeah. So anything over 80 yards there, you were like out the back of the green because they were just the first bounce on them greens were just like, imagine hitting a sprinkler head. That's what they're like, you know. I said um, in, but yeah, I said in the podcast then uh, that Rocket, who's my uh, co-host here, that we do all the tour stuff and the tour talk when we do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I said that it was like it sounded like I was stood beside the 14th green and watched uh, Tiger and basically all all the teams hit in on the on the Thursday. Um, into the fourteenth, yeah. which is the par three, it was like a squat, right. a squash ball hitting a billiard table. It made that sort of yeah. now, you know. Imagine bouncing a squash ball off the billiard table and that noise that it would make. That it sounded like that, and yeah, the ball that's was exactly what it was bouncing six feet in the air. They were landing, you know, essentially eight irons, you know, 30, 30 meters short of the pin, and just letting it release and run up the hill. Yeah. It, was, it was insane. The amazing yeah, thing, crazy. the amazing thing for me, mate, is, is that I played there like a month and a half before the President's Cup, and it was nothing yeah. like that. You know, it was it was hard as you as you used to, but it was it was just another level, it, and, and it was amazing how much yeah. it had changed. I've never experienced anything like that. It was uh, something pretty special, and to shoot the score I did there after never playing it, I was, you know, pretty happy. So what sort of um, purses are available to you, you know, in these tournaments that you're going to be is – there, is there money on the line uh, here? You're talking money? Yeah, definitely. So the the FPGA tour is, I think, eighty thousand. You're right. Um, which is you know pretty cool. And then the the well the corn ferry is like a lot of money. Yeah. So if I if I can qualify for one of them, um, you know, we'll be that'll set the season up. You know. Now that's a corn ferry, uh, as might, in might. The, the full corn ferry. You're playing against all the all the boys. Yeah, definitely. It's a no no disability. Yep. Um, or or normal. Like yeah, just normal golfers, pro golfers, and yeah, it's pretty cool. Good, and I'm, I'm, you know that that's what I try and do to try and inspire sort of um, other people. You know, so it's uh, it's pretty cool. So, mate, if you were listening to this and you know you're going to play it to, you know, someone who's thinking about taking up the game or someone who is playing, and you know they might be thinking that they show some uh, ability and want to be a golf pro, what would be the things that yeah. you would tell them about? amplifying their learning and and playing to the best of their ability what what would be those four or five sort of takeaways that you would say this is what you need to focus on do this 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 um, and this. A, bi- a big one for me is literally listening to people i mean don't be sort of 
a know-it-all. Just because someone's got a higher handicap, it doesn't mean that they don't know something different than you. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's the biggest thing I learned because I'm I've, I've I've taken everything on board that anyone's ever said to me. Whether sometimes it worked, sometimes it hasn't. So that's where you you sort of you know what you can put into your game or not. But um, and then you know just practice the right things. So don't just stand on on the range hitting balls because how do you know if you're making progress you know you're just hitting balls rather than having a structure to do to do it so have a structure have pick targets pick ranges pick um pick fairways if you're hitting drivers and give yourself challenges um so sort of you know practice the play instead of just practicing you know in that respect what are some of the drills when you're down there you know, in the daylight and in the dark that you've and you've been there all hours. Yeah. Of re- what what are you doing? What what is you know? Is it a nine ball drill? What do you what do you do? Yeah. So um, with with my coach, we do a thing called a twenty seven ball drill. Yep. So you get yeah. So you get nine nine balls. You have a neutral shot, a draw, and a cut. But one is a long iron, one's a short iron, and one's a tee shot. And I you know if you can set Every shot that you correct, then you hit your target. So from like 150, I'll have like um you know like a 10 10 15 yard. Try and work on like 10 percent. So 150 yards, I'll have a 15 yard target. So seven yards around the pin each. I'm sorry, seven and a half yards around the pin. Um, and if you hit that target, you know you get you get a point. Um, and if you miss it, you don't get a point. So it, it's sort of a pressure one as well because you want to get as many points as you can. Um, so that's what I like doing. That's a really good drill, and it, it does you not just hit in the same shot every time. So you alternate it. So you know you can have a neutral shot with say a nine iron, and then you hit a draw with um, like your six iron, and then hit a little cut with your driver, and just you know you've got to hit them targets every time. So there's that added pressure as well. So I like to practice with pressure because it just makes you makes you better. I think. Mm-hmm. And what about? Uh... What about anything else? You know, and we spoke when we met that my friend and I, Jamie Glazier, who is um, a mental performance coach, and you know he actually coaches someone that's on the Corn Ferry Tour, Ryan Ruffles. Yeah, we talked about that podcast. But the mental, the mental game is is a strong point for you. So, what, yeah, what, what do you do to practice? You know, very mental game perform- uh, techniques. Is there anything that that you could tell us there? What do you do there? Yeah, so I'm I'm a big believer in um, positive thinking, yeah. which I mean we we spoke about it before. But with with my mental coach, we he he's got me doing a thing called listen to your thoughts, and basically what it is is turning a negative into a positive because the last the last thought that goes through your head is what will happen, whether it be you know left foot in front of the right foot or hitting the water with your drive. Um, if you if you're putting a negative spin on everything, that's what your brain's going to target towards. So, like, no matter who you are, you go onto the you go onto the first tee, you've got a negative thought in your head because you're thinking about where you don't want to hit the ball. Um, so, I try and practice on where I want to hit the ball rather than where I don't want to hit the ball. It takes a while, but once you get used to it, your brain sort of takes and thinks, picks all the good spots, you know. Yeah, the brain the brain's a very strong muscle, isn't it? And it can be trained just like yeah. any any muscle in the body, and uh, it's yeah. it's. It's probably the strongest muscle in the body, to be to be fair. So, um, yeah, right. Yeah, crazy what the brain does. Like even like I've I've done a lot of brain stuff because um, through throughout my 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 recovery, you know, I've had to be strong minded because there's been times where I've been at a real low point and 
you know, I've had to fight big time just to, to get up in the morning to just to do everything. The, the, the daily life we all take for granted. You just want to call it curl into a little ball and go away, you know, yeah. and then wake up and everything will be all right, but it doesn't. So you got to be, you got to train your brain to think, you know, you're going to be okay. Everything's going to, going to work out in the end. Um, and that's what I'm trying to sort of promote to people now that's going through, you know, either mental illness or physical illness. Cause you know, no, when I got injured, no one was there at the end of it to say, you know, it's going to be all right. And, you know, if you work hard enough and have a positive thought, you know, it's usually all right. I mean, you can either, I mean, for me personally, I could have sat at home and felt sorry for myself for the rest of my life and done nothing with my life. But I chose to go the other way and make some of it. Is the military, you know, because people are still getting injured in the military, you know, in active duty and in training and, and you know, you hear stories about that, yeah. you know, far too often. Is the military better prepared these days are they learning from incidents and and cases like yours to to be better prepared to help people come through things like you that you know what i don't think they are personally i mean over here it's, it's don't no no disrespect to to when you're serving it's it's the service is absolutely amazing but as soon as you leave the military um you're just another statistic where you know that's we've done what we can you're you're sort yourself out now and there's it's left left to charities in the uk anyway to to pick up the pieces for injured servicemen that have have lost you know everything and and, you know they're they're slowly slowly building on the mental health thing it's getting quite big over here now Mm. um with prince harry he's a massive like mental health uh ambassador so it's becoming more prominent to, to them getting a lot more help but physical side is getting a lot harder because with the prosthetic centers over here there's that many people that so we so in when when you're serving you go to a place called it used to, it's moved now but it used to be called Headley court um so it's just for military personnel but the prosthetics there like you get socket so i'm at an above knee socket and it, you know they take probably to, from being molded to when you get the leg up there is usually like within a, a week but you get transferred over to the nhs which is our national health service in the uk and then you know i was waiting for a year for a socket and mm-hmm. that whole year my leg was just getting red raw so i ended up having to go private luckily one of my sponsors jt paid for it so it was a he changed my life in that aspect because i, I wasn't able to walk you know my leg was just falling off of me and that's the the downside of, of it over here mm. at the moment so hopefully you know one day that it will catch up but it's just hard work and it, and it gets to you so and you know it's not just me in that situation there's hundreds and hundreds of amputees over here that just and and do you know what it's not the nhs's fault it's just the way it is because there's that many people that and you know the nhs are very undermanned over here and they, they do do an amazing job but it's just not the people that can suffice the amount of volume that goes through the stenters you know so when when you talk about being an inspiration and being you know influential with people who are you know need that lift are are there yeah are there organizations that uh that are designed to help people like like that 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 want that that need that sort of support do do you work with any of those um yeah i I do so so we have a brother it's called the it's called blesma it's called british luminous ex-servicemen association yeah 
And if you're, you know, the, the name's in the title, so it's all like limbless. And um, they 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 are amazing. They support like all, all amputees and got anything missing. You know, they're they're amazing in that aspect. But so they're they're very good at doing that sort of side of things. You know. Yeah, and you so mentioned yeah, I'm, I'm trying to support them. They're going to do a golf day, so I'm going to go and support them and you know do, do beat the pro, raise some money for them, and that that's pretty much it's it's time to give back. You know. Yep. So you know, if I can raise. You know, even if it's a thousand pounds, that's a thousand pounds that could change someone's life. So that's how I look at it now. Oh, mate, it's a good job that you're doing on that front too. Now you mentioned um, Prince Harry there before. Obviously, been in the news so much in the last uh, week or so. It's it's pretty big news yeah. over here. It's every day on the news over here. I can't I can't imagine it's every minute over there. But you know, he's been a massive thing with the Invictus Games. Yeah. What's what's the feeling? Uh, you know, from your perspective, that you know um, he and Megan want to take I a step personally- back. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I think fair play to him. You know, he's he's done two tours of Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, he's done enough for this country for now. He he can why why can't he go and live his life and enjoy his life while he can and then come back to whatever he wants to do in the future. You know, yeah. he's probably given more to the to the throne than a lot of the a lot of the other ones there. So you know, why not? I'm I'm all for it for what he wants to do. He's you know he's his own person at the end of the day just because he's got a royal title. Yeah doesn't mean he can't have a life well, and he's earned it as well, you know. So He has and, you know, by all accounts and, and I don't know, but he would have done more tours of Afghanistan if he was allowed to by, the, by everything that you're yeah, reading. Exactly. To, yeah, exactly. Well, he's a massive one for the lads, you know. He's, um, I mean, he was an Apache pilot. So he's, he's done his fair share for this country. Fair play to him for what he's doing because that takes, you know, he wants to do for him and he wants the best for him and his wife at the moment. So, yeah, you know, let him let him do it. Yeah, the Invictus Games will carry on because it's some it's a massive legacy that he's left. Uh, well, not, he hasn't left it yet, but um, you know what I mean. Um, it's a massive yeah, yeah, yeah. thing that he's got, and I'm sure that he won't leave yeah. it. But uh, you know, it is. No, it I is, think he's still going to do do all that. He's just I think, or he's just stepping down from royal duties, you yeah. know. Which you know, the Invictus is. I don't think that's a royal duty, but that's just one. That's just his charity. Yep. So I'm sure he'll he'll stay with that. But um, yeah. So uh, hopefully I'm uh, going to go over and give a talk to because it's in um, the Netherlands next year. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go give a talk for ISPS Handa that you know as a as not an ambassador, but just go give a talk to my experiences through sport. Golf is golf not part of the Invictus uh, sport? Um, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not. I'm not 100. It might be. Yeah, but I've got other commitments to to do, so yep. that's why I can't sort of play in that stuff. And you know, I'm professional, so I, yeah. I'm not sure whether that's professional sportsman allowed in that. But you know, if I can go over and and give uh, give a little talk, then you never know. Have you met Mr. Hander? Uh, I've not, but I've met um, oh, the ISPS Hander that was in Australia. Yeah, I can't remember who, who, what her name was. Sorry, that's uh, my fault, but. Yeah, so I met her and she she um, invited me to to do the speech over there. So yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. He's been a massive supporter of golf here in Australia. A number of the tournaments that we have down here are ISPS Hander events, and uh, yeah, you know, I don't think enough people know, you know, what Mister Hander uh, does for sport, not only in Australia but all around the world. And uh, he's yeah, <laughs> I've never met him. I probably would never will, but uh, he's a pretty special character. One of the the patrons the patrons is a is actually a there's a patron of it that travels around representing ISPS Hander and he might 
be part of the royal family of some various degree. I can't remember his name, but he was down, yeah. he was down here at the uh, the Vic Open last year and as part of that whole uh, entourage, which is ah, cool. coming up again. And I think your uh, your man, Mister McLean, might have might have a spot for us down there at the uh, Vic Open Pro Am, which is very much yeah, looking for, pretty cool, huh? very much looking forward to. I'm sure he'll get yeah, paired, get paired with someone. Uh, I think he was playing with Ryan Fox last year. So, oh, amazing! Yeah, yeah we got to play with uh, Min Woo this year. He was a uh, pretty special. Huh? He he's got off to a, a decent start uh, in South Africa. He, yeah, you know, he he had a result. So yeah, top fifteen he had down there, right? Yep. yep. What did you think? So, what did you think of Min Woo? Yeah, what did you think? Oh, I loved him. He is an absolute quality lad. Um, he's going to go places. That's for sure. He's going to be the next big Australian, in my eyes. Gives it a whack. He needs to put more work ethic in there. Oh, really? <laughs> he's very, he's more work ethic. Yeah. I think he's just so, because he's got so much talent. Yeah. And I think he just relies on his talent. And I think if he worked just a little bit more on, you know, just like the mental side of his game, he would be lethal. Yeah. Well, hopefully he learned from last year because, uh, you know, he got so close to having that, you know, permanent European tour card and, you know, it all, yeah. it all just sort of, fell over at the at the last minute and you know maybe it was a bit of bad advice bit of bad preparation or whatever I, you know i can't really comment but um yeah you know Still prepared. He, he started with a big big rush and then it just sort of fell away a little bit and but let's just hope that uh your friend and mine min work and uh he'll, he'll be right as you say he'll be right and if he i'm sure with the right people around him golf australia looking after him and uh yeah you know, he'll, he'll he'll be fine mate he'll be fine and yeah, don't forget yeah, for don't, sure. don't forget his sister who uh, hopefully is uh, a very positive influence on him as well. Hopefully he can, you know, she can guide him to a lot of success. If there's anything else cool. that you want to talk about, feel free. But I've kept you for you know. F- um, no, I just I just like to say thanks to uh, Golf Australia for for everything that they did for us down there. Yep. Um, part, for being part of the Edgar series, um, that was an absolutely amazing trip and amazing experience and you know words can't describe what that meant to to us for being there so thanks again to golf australia yeah no they do they do do some good work uh down here no problems at all and christian hamilton uh, does a mountain of work for uh he's a legend that bloke yeah uh, yeah he's such a good bloke he actually just lives just around the corner from me here down here he's not too far away I've, i've I don't know exactly, but he, I know he's not too far. We're we're, we're almost neighbours, put it that way. But um, yeah, he does a mountain of work for the all, all abilities uh, areas down here, and oh, uh, yeah. he's very very well uh, respected and regarded. And uh, yeah. he's, he's he's been on a number of podcasts talking about uh, all the things that we've been chatting about. And he's a great man, Christian. Well done. Yeah, definitely. What about awesome. uh, football? Football? You got any any? You know what's happening with your football team? Uh, my team's winning, so that's all right. Matters. Yeah. Who are they? Who you're, are they? A, you're a Liverpool fan, right? Oh, do me a favour. No. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I, I, I live with my chin on that, mate. But uh, no, Arsenal for me. Remember the towel I had on my bag? So I'm an Arsenal fan and, you know, it can only, yeah, it. It can only get better. But, but the, yeah, the Reds are doing well, aren't they? They're, they're a pretty impressive team yeah, to watch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a football fan. I, I follow it. I used to be a football fan when I was younger, but... As you know, motocross was was my main passion in life. So um, I was too busy out riding bikes to, to worry about football. 
we won't bother the listeners with our small uh, our stories about motocross. We chat about motocross offline, yeah. and, and there's probably another whole whole uh, podcast in how many people that we sort of podcast there, huh? came in common. Um, you know, people that we know through motocross, not that we knew, but yeah. we just talked about bikes, and there we go. But uh, mate, all the best in the states. Amazing. Have a great time at the PGA show. Um, go and meet and Will network do. and hook up with as many people as you can. Get as many show bags, get as many business cards because you just yeah. never know what you never know, who you're going to meet in the big yeah, picture exactly, of life. Mate. Make the most of that again. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on, is it Bushnell TV? I can't wait to see, see you on Bushnell TV. Cheers. Mate, best of luck with your uh, five or six weeks in all of those events in the States, mate. I super appreciate your Cheers, time. Mate. You're a bloody legend and uh, I'm glad that I got to spend uh, that time with you and we can hook up and do this. And I know that our paths will cross again. I'll be down there in England and you, yeah, can, ta- you, you can take me for a game at uh, That's for sure. some special golf course or we'll meet up in Scotland or we'll do something or we'll, we'll do something, mate. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely catch up in the, in the near future, 100%. Mate, appreciate your time, Mike. And, uh, More listener- than welcome. Pleasure. Share this with your uh, all your people and uh, listeners. Thank you for listening in. It's a great story, and if you can share this story, it's one of the ones that I would ask you to share and let anyone know that you've enjoyed the Mike Brown story with my love of golf. Until next time, thanks again. <laughs>